feels slightly odd. Um, as a church, we're not a church that follows closely the Christian traditional church calendar. Um, so as a church, we celebrate Easter every week as a family together, and as individuals in our lives, we celebrate Easter every day. But what we should do, but we're privileged to live in a nation, as Andy said, where for a period of, of, in the year, everyone stops and focuses on Easter, and whether they know what that means or not, um, we're privileged to live in a nation where we get to do that, we get given time to focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's important to make good use of that, uh, and good, good use of that, not as uh, an article I read this week, um, which says that the heavenly miracle of Good Friday was all with the blood of the Lamb for everyone who's got a bit of decorating to do. That is not the case. Um, Jesus didn't die so that we could have a double bank holiday weekend, uh, in case that was unclear to you. This morning I want us to draw our attention, or to draw our attention towards, and continue to celebrate, as we've done this morning, a pivotal event in history. But I don't want us to just look back and go, oh, wasn't it great? Can we go to the, the present, please? Wasn't it great? Wasn't it fantastic that Jesus did that? Isn't that brilliant for Jesus? Because the resurrection isn't just meant to be a historical victory. That was the right thing that you were on. Um, it is a victory with current and future implications. The verse up there describes the gods who we follow. The God who has been sin and death, which means that there are implications from now and for the future. The God who is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He was and is and is to come. So there are three things that we're going to focus on this morning, that he was, that he is, and that he is to come. Because the resurrection impacts each of those things. He was. He was before all things. In John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him not anything was not anything made that was made. Jesus was. In the eternity before the creation of the world, Jesus was. Genesis begins with the words, in the beginning, God. John begins his account of Jesus' life by saying, in the beginning was the word. The word being a name for Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. Why did John do that? Did he just make that up himself? Well, actually, Jesus taught that. Later on in John chapter 8, verses 57 and 58, Jesus is in a, is in a debate with some religious people. Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Why did they pick up stones? 
who was crucified with him, the 
the process of crucifixion began properly. Victims of crucifixion, crucifixion lived on their crosses for periods varying from three or four hours to three or four days. Passive exhalation, just breathing out, which we all do thousands of times a day without thinking about it, it's possible for a person hanging on a cross. The weight of the body hanging by its wrists would depress the muscles required for breathing out. Therefore, each exhaled breath would only be achieved by tremendous effort. The only way to gain a breath at all would be by pushing oneself up from the legs and feet, or pulling some, oneself up by the arms, either of which would cause intense agony. Add to this primary factor the following secondary ones. Bodily functions uncontrolled, insects feasting on wounds and orifices, unspeakable thirst, muscle cramps, bolts of pain from the severed median nerves in the wrist, scourged back scraping against the wood. The wood. It's more than any of us are capable of fully imagining. The verbal abuse and other actions, such as spitting and throwing refuse by the spectators, Roman soldiers, and passers-by, added the final touch. Another aspect of crucifixion not widely noted is that a crucified person gasping and heaving on his cross is forced to be his own executioner. He is not even allowed the first dignity of having a human being corresponding to himself who hangs or decapitates him. He dies truly and completely alone, with the weight of his own body killing him as it hangs, causing his own diaphragm to suffocate him. Interesting question 
which goes beyond history and objective fact, is whether Jesus died and lived. He lived and he died, but did he then live again? Well, Jesus was, he was before all things, he was incarnate, he was crucified. But, and this is the joy of Easter, the story doesn't end there. He was and is. He is risen. You can't see that very well, this is risen. Luke 24, verses 1 to 7 says this, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. This is the, the ladies who are going to dress Jesus' body. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. I love the responses from the two men or the angels that are there. It's almost like some kind of comedy scene. I can imagine them as they're on their way, however angels travel, they're going, I don't know why we've been sent to the tomb. They're obviously not going to go there. He's already told them that he's not going to be there. And then they, they arrive, and there's these women there, and they're like, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He already told you he wasn't going to be here. Maybe that's just the way my brain works. Why do you look for the living among the dead? It's not here, but it's risen. Just as he said. This is a, a serious matter, though. The resurrection and the cross must be understood as a, a kind of package deal. If you've just got the cross and the crucifixion, there's just tragedy. With the resurrection, there's triumph. The resurrection is the confirmation that all that he said and did was trustworthy. It was trustworthy, it was true, it was effective. And we must fight for this truth. A recent survey that was featured on the BBC's website had this headline, Resurrection did not happen, say quarter of Christians. I'm sorry, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you might not, you might not want to consider calling yourself a Christian. Um, and actually, when you look at the survey, it's a bit less dramatic than that, but obviously that's not a great headline. But Dan read out these verses earlier, from 1 Corinthians 15, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ was raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most pitied. There's a quote from a lady uh, who runs an organisation, which is the acting chief of the organisation called Modern Church, on this article. And she says, to expect adults to believe in the resurrection like they did in Sunday school, she said, it's just ridiculous. And she's pushing herself and pushing this agenda. 
of a Christian organization they claim to be. They're obviously not. But we must fight for this truth. If we really believe, do we really believe it? Because if we do, it has massive implications. Death is not the end. Spoken word artist uh, propaganda, which is a really terrible name, um, puts it like this. God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness and death functions as payment. He wrote a check with his life, and at his resurrection we all cheered, because that means the check cleared. Jesus rose from the dead, confirming his victory over sin, Satan, and death. He is risen never to die. It wasn't just a temporary, oh, he's rallied, no, he's risen never to die again. He is risen, he is ascended. Acts 1, 9 to 11. Jesus talking to his disciples, and as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were still gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, maybe the same two. And I said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus, right now, is in heaven, sat at the right hand of the Father. 1 Peter 3, 22 says this, Jesus has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. The Bible teaches us that Jesus, in his resurrected body, is in an actual place called heaven, sat on a throne at the right hand of God. And generally speaking, there's two people that sit on a throne. Throne testers, if that's even a real thing, and people who rule stuff, people who are in charge. Jesus is sat on the throne because he is ruling. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 and 25, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule, every authority and power. For Jesus must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The end of this world comes when Jesus has destroyed every opposing force and power. We live in the time between times. I thought that was a quote from someone, but I couldn't find it on the internet. So I'm claiming that as an original. We live in the time between times. Jesus is ruling. His rule and reign extends everywhere, over everything. And yet we don't see the fullness of that. But one day we will. One day we will see the fullness of that and the church, as the body of Christ, exists to extend the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, if you don't understand that terminology, very simple definition of that, is where Jesus is king. What's the kingdom of God? Well, it's where Jesus is king. It's not a geographical thing. There's not a, a plot of land. You go, well, that's the kingdom of God there. I'm in the kingdom of God. Now I'm in Great Britain. It doesn't work like that. It's where Jesus is king. If Jesus is king in your life, you're taking the kingdom of God with you wherever you go. You see, he was and is and is to come. One day he will stand up from his throne. In the book of Revelation, we hear 
few snippets of worship songs from heaven. 4-8, which we looked at at the beginning, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who, who was and is and is to come. And that refrain gets repeated over and over. Jesus says it of himself there. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one, the beginning and the end, who was and is and is to come. It repeats over and over, who was and is and is to come, who was and is and is to come. And then in Revelation 11, we read this. There's, a, there's another song. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who was and is, that you have taken your power and begun to reign. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The first time I read that, not just now, but the first time I read that when I was reading my Bible, I thought, that's strange, they've got the song wrong. They, they messed it up a little bit. Maybe I'll get another Bible and I'll check it's not a misprint. Then it dawned on me. This is a new song. There's no looking forward in this song. This isn't who was and is and is to come. It's who is and he was, but now he is. That's the important thing. There is no to come because he has returned. One day the song will change. Looking back at the resurrection must make us look forward to the day that the song changes. He was and is and is to come. Tim Keller says this, the way we look at the, the way we view the not yet will inevitably impact the way we respond in the here and now. So I want to ask you, do you think about Jesus coming back? That's terrible, isn't it? So hard to see. That's much better. Boy, black or white, who knew? But do you think about Jesus coming back? What is your view of the not yet? Do you serve a risen, ruling, returning king called Jesus or someone else? We're going to watch the final part of our video to finish. But I want to just encourage you by saying the resurrection, when we look back to the resurrection, it must, it must drag our gaze forward. To go, oh, he's coming back. He rose from the dead, which means I'm going to rise from the dead. Never to die again. Yeah.